ASN Kidney News Podcast, May 2009. How should deceased donor kidneys be allocated? Who should decide what constitutes a fair allocation system? Does the new kidney allocation policy foretell a God Squad resurrection? Or would it more effectively allocate a scarce medical resource? In coordination with two articles appearing in the May 2009 special issue on transplantation, this ASN Kidney News Podcast focuses on the topic of kidney allocation. Pascal Lane, M.D., editor of ASN Kidney News and professor at the University of Nebraska, interviews authors Mark Stiegel, M.D., and John Curtis, M.D., about their recent articles and positions on potential revisions to a kidney allocation policy. ASN members also have the opportunity to comment on these articles and the kidney allocation system online via a discuss and debate forum on the Society's website at www.asn-online.org. First, Dr. Lane speaks with Dr. Stiegel, Chair of the Division of Transplantation Surgery at the Mayo Clinic and former Chair of the Kidney Transplantation Committee of the Organ Sharing, Organ Procurement, and Transplant Network. This is Dr. Mark Stiegel, and you're the Chair of the Department of Surgery at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. I'm actually uh, Chair of the Division of Transplant Surgery. I'm Transplant Surgeon and Professor of Surgery at Mayo Clinic, Rochester. Okay. I was the former chair of the UNOS Kidney Transplant Committee. Uh, that's how that was been involved in this process from the very beginning. And I'm currently a member of the UNOS Board of Directors. You played a role in formulating the new kidney allocation system. Yeah, I've been involved in this process since it began in uh, 2004. Describe how you went about coming up with this proposal. Well, at first, I think that it should be clearly stated that there really is currently no proposed new system. I think that this stage can this stage can be characterized as looking at various possible approaches to kidney allocation and sort of weighing the pros and the cons of each aspect and then revising these to finally come up with a proposal then that will go out for public comment and ratification, hopefully. The process really began in 2004 when the UNOS board charged the kidney committee of UNOS uh, with performing a 360-degree review of deceased donor kidney allocation and the goal was to develop a new allocation system. And over the next four years, uh, there were many public hearings and other deliberations that looked at many aspects of the current system and how it could be improved. This also involved simulations of over 25 possible changes in the allocation system. What we found is the current system uses a point system whereby one point is awarded for each year of waiting time and uh, points are given for specific tissue type matches between donors and candidates and extra points are given for candidates who have antibodies against the tissue types. And over the years, since the waiting time for all candidates has increased on the waiting list, the points accrued by waiting time have become the major determinant in the ranking of candidates on the transplant list. So de facto what's happened is that kidneys are primarily allocated by waiting time today. And uh, so when the kidney committee looked at uh, the current system and the ways that could be improved, there were lots of different ideas of how to approach this. It had never been done before. And I think that the kidney committee came up with two important guideposts that are important to understand the rationale for the changes. One is that the precedent of balancing utility and justice in organ allocation and the second is this OPTN final rule, which is actually a federal law, which uh, gives some guidelines for how organ allocation policy ought to be uh, handled. The justice versus utility argument, I think, is an important one to understand and discuss because there really are two viewpoints about how one should or, uh, allocate scarce resources. 
there's a group of people who think that, that they should be allocated uh, equally among everyone who could possibly benefit, and that would be the justice group, that everyone should have an opportunity to get a kidney transplant equal to everyone else. Another viewpoint is the utility viewpoint, which says that we should try to get the most uh, benefit out of a scarce resource. And since it truly is, kidney transplantation really is a scarce resource and there aren't enough kidneys for everyone, I think that the precedent is that we try to balance both of those to get a benefit uh, out of the scarce resource, but also provide transplantation opportunities for a wide variety of candidates. The OPTN final rule actually seems to support this balancing of utility and justice because it talks about the best use of organs and that allocation rules should be fair. But also, the final rule is not as vague as some people might think. The final rule, which has the impact of federal law, says that candidates should be ranked using medical criteria, and other allocation systems for liver, heart, lung have actually come up with specific medical criteria, which would be things like serum bilirubin or the uh, other medical things that are objective. And the final rule also specifically states that waiting time should be de-emphasized in the rank order of patients. And so when we looked at kidney allocation currently, one of the things that uh, came up is that there definitely is a shortage of kidneys, so the justice versus utility concept probably should be applied. And the other thing that came up was that the current system is really poorly compliant with the final rule because it primarily uses waiting time and it does not use medical criteria. And that was the beginnings of developing a draft proposal that uh, came out and was as it was, is still out for um, public comment in this request for information stage. And so what happened recently is the a, a draft proposal went out that um, used some new concepts, and I think that the response that came back to the draft proposal was that there was some general agreement in the transplant community, and then there were some concerns about the draft proposal. And I think that the um, things that were in agreement is that there really was a shortage of kidneys, so we should try to balance utility and justice. And the other uh, agreement was that one of the most important problems with the current system is it also allocates kidneys with very long projected post-transplant survival to candidates that have very poor or very uh, short uh, projected post-transplant survival. So, again, we, we may not be getting the great utility out of, of, of many of the kidneys that have a, a amount of utility in them. And I think that there was also some concern that every candidate should have a reasonable chance of receiving a kidney transplant regardless of their health status and age, and that the uh, draft proposal had uh, decreased the number of transplants for uh, older people more than it should. And um, so I think that there needs to be some sort of back and forth of, of uh, modifying the draft proposal. It's important also that one of the major criticisms of the draft proposal is the system uh, used to rank candidates using medical criteria. And it basically is the utility metric. How do you measure outcomes of kidney transplant? And you can use graft survival or patient survival. Uh, traditionally, we've looked at those outcomes, but we really haven't ranked candidates based on their projected graft or patient survival. The Kidney Committee's draft proposal uses a sort of a combined metric that's termed life years from transplant which compares an individual candidate's survival with transplant compared to their survival with waiting on dialysis. And so it's really the benefit they get from getting a transplant versus waiting on dialysis. And it also incorporates quality of life and that a year of dialysis is not counted as much as a year with transplant because that was the feedback from the uh, patients uh, on the committees. 
And so um, what happened was that there was there was concern too is that the data that we have to generate this metric, you know, to really to predict how well people would do with transplant versus dialysis, is not good enough to really uh, make those predictions. But I think that the response to that is that it's actually very good at predicting the outcomes of people who do really well, and it actually is very good at predicting the outcomes that people who do very poorly. And the reality is that there's a large group of people in the middle who do about the same, and obviously they do about the same, so you're not going to be able to predict differences with them very much. So um, the methodology was a bit of a question that I think we should address, and that actually in the article in uh, Kidney News, I addressed that, the methodological issues too. What sort of shifts in kidney transplant recipients do you think you'll see if something similar to the current proposal does become the actual system? Well, I think that the draft proposal had predicted that there would be fewer kidneys for uh, older recipients. And there were actually very few changes in ethnic groups. There actually might be more kidneys going to uh, African-Americans. And the other question that came up is there were actually some diabetics will actually be ranked higher on the list than they were before. But I think this question is really an ethical one about what should really be the appropriate balance between utility and equity. If you allocate fewer kidneys for older patients, that might appear less just and it is less equitable maybe for them, but it also does result in more utility or better outcomes. And so I think that it's not necessarily that the draft, that the current system that's being, that's a possible system out there, the draft proposal, has to remain in its, its current fashion. That you, it's a very flexible system that you can actually modify it. And then again, the article that's in Kidney News outlines a possible change in the draft proposal that would keep some aspects of the draft proposal, sort of kidneys being with long projected survival, being allocated to candidates with long projected survival, which was perceived, I think, by most who reviewed this as a problem with the current system, and also the ranking using medical criteria, which would maybe use the uh, life years from transplant model, but it still could offer more kidneys to patients who have lower LIP scores or who have less post-transplant survival. And so you can actually put as much equity into the system, much justice in the system as you wish, uh, depending on how much weight you give to the lift score and how much weight you give to waiting time. So how easy will it be to make those sort of changes once something like this becomes the method of allocation? Well, I think it would be fairly easy to do. I think that that's, I think that these changes can be done in real time. If you look at the other allocation systems for liver, for example, there were questions about how much weight should be given to bilirubin, how much weight should be given to renal function, and they were able to change the formula in real time uh, as they were looking at outcomes that maybe everyone wasn't happy with. I think that one of the um, uh, things going forward is that needs to be worked on that the entire transplant and nephrology community can uh, help us with is we really are trying to look at objective, measurable criteria that can predict how well people with, will do with transplant. And I think that's going to be good for patient information. It would be right now. I can't tell any one patient what their projected survival is with a transplant versus survival on dialysis. We don't really have that kind of granular, uh, detailed data. We have overall population data. I think it would be important for me to tell certain patients how well they're going to do with a transplant. Maybe not everyone should get a transplant. And I think that as we get better at some of the cardiovascular risk factors, for which right now there's really not very good data, 
that if we start collecting better data going forward, we can do a better job, make better model systems, and improve the the system. The one of the things I think that is a is a misconception about this system also is that it's really going to radically change who's actually going to be transplanted. It doesn't really have to do that. Uh, I think that the the draft proposal does have some changes, but there uh, and I think that the uh, modification that's been suggested that I suggested in Kidney News um, would show that you can introduce these changes gradually, and then you can see if you need to make more changes or maybe even pull back. You mentioned that part of this is going to be ongoing data collection to try and better predict who will do well with transplants. What sort of sources of information are going to be used for this? Well, I think that partly that we'll probably have to we can we can look at some of the data that we have a little more closely, but my hope is that there are new markers out there that we can collect prospectively to get a better idea the what really the utility of uh, aspect of transplant is um is there. I think that that's one of the the big issues that going forward is to really decide what the utility metric should be and then how we're going to really measure it. There may be other databases that have some data out there. For the other allocation systems, they've taken a two-pronged approach. They've looked at smaller data sets, individual transplant programs or other data that, that applied to certain types of patients that, that underwent transplant, you know, published articles that would tell you that, uh, for example, from our group, that Patients with a low ejection fraction, less than 35%, and an elevated uh, troponin T uh, greater than uh, 0.03 at the time of transplant had a very high mortality in the first year or so after transplant. And then you might take that and apply it, you know, prospectively and uh, try to collect data for the entire group. And that's been done for other other allocation systems, and it seems to work. And then you, I think that other people will come up with uh, hopefully better ideas. Once I think this becomes, once the uh, um, the concept of maybe looking at outcome, patient survival and graph survival um, uh, gets out there, usually what happens is that uh, researchers in the field start thinking about it more critically and people start coming up with solutions. At least that's been the paradigm that's happened in the liver and lung allocation systems. What channels are available for the public and the medical community to provide feedback on the system? Well, I think that there are many uh, current and there will be more in the future uh, ways of doing it. Um, UNOS.org is a website that uh, the OPTN UNOS uh, maintains that has ability to provide feedback. Almost all of this detailed information is available on that website. Even the uh, responses from the transplant community to the draft proposal are on there. So that's always available. There will be another uh, round of public comment where there are regional meetings that are held, and uh, there are is going to be another public forum when there finally is a proposal that is going to go out for public comment. And I think that those are probably the best methods to get the information online. The other thing is I'm sure that, that societies, the American Society of Transplant Surgeons, American Society of Transplantation, possibly the American Society of Nephrology also will have uh, websites that patients, nephrologists, and other transplant professionals can get information and also give feedback. And I think UNOS is, it, it, it is a very much of a collaborative organization that's trying to find just the best solution to this organ shortage problem that we have to truly try to balance the best use of organs that have been donated by donor families and they would like to see 
those organs help the most number of people, but also provide a um, transplant opportunities to the wide variety of patients that are on the list. Because currently we do about you know 13,000 kidney transplants a year in 70,000 patients, and there's just not enough kidneys for everyone. Dr. Mark Stiegel, the Director of Transplant Surgery at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, has been talking with us about the proposed kidney allocation system that he helped develop. And I'd like to thank you for speaking with us today. And thank you for having me. Dr. Lane also spoke with author John Curtis, MD, of the Department of Internal Medicine at the University of Alabama in Birmingham. Dr. Curtis believes the proposed kidney allocation system is not better than the current system and that allocation is in danger of being made both less just and less effective. I'm speaking now with Dr. John Curtis, who is an endowed professor of transplant nephrology and a professor of medicine and surgery at the University of Alabama Medical Center in Birmingham, Alabama. And I understand that you had no role in the proposed kidney allocation system. Uh, that's correct. Okay. Uh, however, uh, you are, do have some strong opinions about it. What do you think will happen if this proposed system were to be put into effect? Well, I think that until people understand it, I think there will be uh, perhaps unforeseen consequences that will take some time to figure out. And I think that some people will be unhappy with it, others will be happy. All the systems have some people that will wind up being losers in it, and some people wind up being winners in it. Do you feel like the current allocation system needed to be changed? As I say, there is unfortunately no, um, as long as there's a shortage of organs, transplantable organs, none of the systems are going to be totally fair. And one can point to a lot of unfairnesses in the current system, but I would I would say that the burden of proof would be on those who feel that the current system has to be dramatically changed. The current system does have several advantages. The first advantage, I, th I think, is that uh, the current system is well understood by patients in that most people do understand this kind of first-come, first-served concept, and the current system is based primarily on waiting times. And, and people, at least Americans, are very used to lines and the idea of uh, waiting your turn in a line and don't like people sort of uh, suddenly cutting into the line ahead of them, that usually raises all kinds of suspicion. So it's very good when the patients do understand the system, they don't have as much suspicion about it, and they tend to think that this is a, something that they can equate with or identify with in terms of fairness. And it's very important that that patients have some idea about how the system works and some idea of fairness. And it's kind of easier to explain to patients the current system, which is based on waiting time, as I say. It's also been tested for some time now, so we know its problems and we know its benefits. It's been amendable to tweaking in small ways through UNOS with a, a unanimous agreement on the needs of, of various tweaking processes. So it is amendable. It's understood. The main advantage that came about when the system did change from reliance on typing to the current system was that we're able now, when you have a large waiting list, to know who's getting near the top of the list so that they can undergo reevaluation. Whereas in, uh, prior to waiting time becoming so important, uh, 
it was very difficult for for uh, people to evaluate not knowing who was going to be coming in for the next transplant. So I'd say that there are some advantages to the current system. Those who want to drastically change it, while they can say the system is uh, is not fair, none of the systems are fair to everyone. The only fair system to everyone would be when we have enough transplantable kidneys to go around, and I think the focus ought to be on that problem rather than trying to drastically change systems. One of the other points that you have raised is that the proposal that's been put forward is trying to balance utility and justice uh, in a mathematical way. Could you discuss that a bit? Well, uh, you know, everybody talks about utility and justice or equity, and my own position or belief on this is that there have been far more problems with justice than there have been utility. Others would take the opposite view, and they would be willing to diminish justice or would be willing to de-emphasize justice or talk about it being very pious. Uh, some very famous people have said we're being too pious about justice. But I think that's been the bigger problem and the one that needs needs consideration. Uh, the the justice uh, problems uh, concern things like uh, that we've written just written a, a paper about multi-listing payment uh, to get on the wait list at some centers. The idea that Medicare or Medicaid denies payment for immunosuppressive drugs to some patients. The idea that uh, some centers seem to have put up blocks to uh, Medicaid-only patients. All of these are problems with justice, not so much with utility. Those who favor utility want to balance it against justice, which to me is trying to take something that's concrete and balance it against something that's abstract. It's like taking a scale of Newton's apple on one side, which is concrete, and then Heisenberg's uh, uncertainty principle or photons or waves and put it on the other scale. You just really can't compare these things or weigh them out, unmeasurable sorts of things. And justice you can't put numbers on. So when you can put numbers in utility, those people do have mathematical formulas uh, that uh, it's just not a fair way to try and balance things. So I see a problem here. I think the bigger problem we've had in, uh, in and I don't know that, uh, I do agree with Mattis, the word, Mattis, the word rationing is probably better than allocation. Uh, but the problems we've had in rationing has been uh, one of um, uh, more of justice than it has been utility. Do you think that there are adjustments that can be made to the proposed kidney allocation system or rationing system that would uh, make it more acceptable? And how would you recommend balancing input from those outside the medical profession in what are complex medical decisions? Well, I think that there are adjustments that can be made in the current system and have already been made. The current system underwent a a somewhat um, big change where all deceased donor kidneys from donors under 35 went into young patients uh, that had some unintended consequences, but that that was made to balance out some of the most dramatic examples of, um, of people saying that the kidneys weren't being wisely used. So the current system can change with small changes and does, and does do that fairly effectively. So I would uh, favor changes to the current system that were not dramatic, but that were less uh, sweeping than are being proposed. The question about how do you how do you get this out to um, other groups? I do think that 
the truth is that uh, those people proposing changes in the rationing or allocation system have made attempts to make sure that all this is available. But I would think that it would be wise, if there are going to be losers in the new system, to talk to a broader audience that uh, was mostly involved with the people that are going to lose in the system uh, who may have different insights than the mostly physicians and so forth who are who are making these decisions that it should be discussed with these people to get their insight, those who are going to be affected negatively uh, in a setting that isn't uh, just predominantly one of physicians. Now, I think it could be argued that a lot of this is available if you're willing to search it all out, but I don't think in general the populations are going to be affected had uh, had this you know, kind of straight talk about uh, the fact that they're going to be disadvantaged under a different uh, system of rationing. What population specifically do you see being disadvantaged? Well, I think currently, I mean, the systems have not gone through yet, and one doesn't know. There are, as I say, anytime something like this is drastically changes, a lot of unintended consequences. For example, some feel that the number of living-related donors have gone down slightly because of changes that I talked about earlier where allocation favored younger younger patients of the deceased donor kidneys. At any rate, one can never anticipate, but right now it does appear that older patients and patients um, with diabetes may be adversely affected. Uh, again, in efforts to balance all this, I think those people that are dealing with this are trying to make various adjustments but those adjustments that are being made are are very hard to calculate. They don't. If, if you went into a pure utilitarian system, you wouldn't you wouldn't make those kind of adjustments. Is there anything else that you'd like to say about the system or the proposed system? Well, <laughs> I would say that the emphasis currently should be. Um, on justice or equity more so than on utility, that the current um, system, while it has problems, is reasonable. But really what we need, the focus needs, is more transplantable organs. If we spend all our time developing different systems and then having to deal with all the unforeseen consequences, we maybe aren't going to um, focus as much as we should on the real problem, uh, which is uh, a uh, increasing the number of uh, transplantable organs. And I sort of think that justice has been the area that's been neglected uh, ever since um, end-stage renal disease were, this is in transplant, since end-stage renal disease patients were covered uh, under uh, Social Security in 1972 when people used to talk about a right to health care and, and that a nation as wealthy of ours, as ours uh, could not allow people to die for lack of technology. Times have changed dramatically during then. People started to look on medicine in some ways to trying to get efficiency by looking on it as a, more of a business. But, uh, you know, I do think that the original intention for end-stage renal disease was for all patients to be covered and that in transplant especially, Issues of justice uh, have not received as much attention as these new systems. I also think that we, in end-stage renal disease, have to recognize two differences about our patients. Number one, dialysis, which is different than the liver and heart transplant patients and changes a lot of things in terms of our strategy towards them, our immunosuppressive strategies, and the fact that kidney people have 
had more, I'm going to lose all the heart and liver people here, but kidney people over the years have had, because of dialysis, far more experience with transplantation. So we don't need to necessarily look for the lead from the people who in liver transplant came up with meld systems and all these acronyms. Uh, so I think that we could um, benefit by our own experience and that, um, you know, we have to uh, realize, which many people don't, that our patients are funded differently through the Social Security system and they have dialysis. These are two very big differences in the transplant population. Many people like to treat all the transplant, all the solid organ patient uh, transplant systems financially the same, and they aren't the same. So uh, that uh, that is one thing I think uh, as we talk about allocation systems, we really need to think about kidney transplant in a different way than we do the other uh, solid organ transplant systems. Hayesan Kidney News is a publication of the American Society of Nephrology, mailed bi-monthly to its members. A PDF of ASN Kidney News can also be downloaded from the ASN website. To subscribe to ASN Kidney News, visit the ASN website and become a member of the society. ASN members also have the opportunity to comment on these articles and the kidney allocation system online via a discuss and debate form on the society's website at www.asn-online.org. Thank you for listening to this podcast of the American Society of Nephrology.